I want to welcome all of you that are watching online, wherever you are in the world, and just let you know that winter has come to Texas. It is cold here today. Just yesterday morning, I went jogging in shorts and a short sleeve shirt, and I was warm, and today I need a parka. Someone asked me earlier this morning, they said, I bet you don't uh, want to be on a back nine today, do you? And I said, yes, I do, in Hawaii. But uh, it's okay for winter to come because that means Christmas is coming. And I love the season and I'm so excited about our Christmas Eve services. Uh, they're just going to be so spectacular. Do not miss it. And we are going to serve communion at all of our services on Christmas Eve. And if you can't join us that day, then you can join us at 10 o'clock here next Sunday morning, Christmas morning. And we'll continue this series we're in. Asking the question, who is invited to Jesus' birthday party? So last weekend, we looked at some of the interesting inclusions of Jesus' family tree. And we made the point that God welcomes the who's, the people that don't often make it in the family records. And we even said that in every family tree, there are some squirrels. Now, our minister of evangelism is named David Meyer. You know him, the big guy that's always in the baptistry. He's married to a wonderful woman named Nola, and they have a precious and brilliant third-grade daughter named Reagan. So last weekend, Nola was out of town. After Sunday morning services, David and Reagan went to the airport to pick her up. And precious Reagan in the third grade is listening closely to my sermons. Because when Nola got in the car... Reagan said, Mom, Preacher Rick said that all family trees have squirrels. He also said, if you don't know who the squirrel is, that means the squirrel is you. Don't you agree that Daddy is the squirrel in our tree? <laughs> to which Nola replied, absolutely, honey. And Reagan said, who? Me too, Mommy. That was a close one. <laughs> and today's message is for David and for anyone else. Who has ever felt unappreciated, unnoticed, uninvited, unwanted, whoever you are. Have I got a word for you today and you can find it here. Some of you will recognize Cleopatra's needle on the banks of the Thames River. Of course, it was made 3,500 years ago in Egypt as a gift for a pharaoh. But like many other Egyptian artifacts, it was transported to England and placed there on September the 12th, 1878. And at the base of the needle, they put a time capsule because the British figured someday our society will go the way of Egypt. And we would like people to know a little bit about who we were. So in that time capsule at the base of Cleopatra's needle on the Thames River, there are some coins some children's toys, a razor, some pictures of what was considered to be some of the most beautiful women of the day. And there's one sentence in that time capsule that they thought was so important, it's translated into 216 different languages. And this is that sentence. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, 
but have eternal life. You see, for centuries, that verse has meant a lot to Christians. You see it today on billboards or at ball games, but it's been important to us for a long time. Why did they choose that verse? I would suggest that everyone must choose a narrative to live by. A worldview that is going to shape and inform your values and your sense of meaning. Now, if God's love is not that narrative, if God's character and even God's existence is called into question, then where do you find your sense of purpose? Because the popular narrative of our day is that we're all just evolved pond scum. That we have no real sense of coming from someone or going to someone. So if we're nothing more than cosmic, impersonal accidents, then what really matters? Including us. You see, I think it's hypocrisy to claim that there is no God and that we're just evolved amoebas and then say there's some inherent dignity in us and we should all ascribe to some sense of morality that has no real source. There is a uh, atheist uh, physicist named Lawrence Krauss who's very colorful, so he's often asked to be on shows like NPR or uh, the Colbert Report. And he has the integrity to admit what the logical conclusion of that narrative is. He writes... Human beings are just a bit of pollution. If you got rid of us, then the universe would be largely the same. We're completely irrelevant. That may disturb you, but that's the truth. If the narrative is we're just cosmic accidents, then we really don't matter. I think the reason John 3.16 has resonated through the centuries is because it's offering a different story. It's saying that we do have worth, that we do have a purpose, and we do have a future. That's why I would contend that John 3.16 is the best verse ever. Because in just a few words, it says best what we most need to hear, whoever you are. It says that God's love will do whatever it takes. You see, we can look at the expanse of the universe and know the maker of it is powerful. We we can look at the order of creation and know the designer of it is wise. But what's he like? How can we know his heart? Because love has to be shown To be known. And so in a little town called Bethlehem. A little spot on the road that no one ever noticed. God showed up. He showed up in person. Wrapped in flesh. For God so loved the world. That he gave. His one and only son. That's important. The Greek word there for one and only is monogenes, and it speaks to the unparalleled relationship of God 
and Jesus and why this gift was so significant. You'd say, well, God's the father of all people, right? We're all sons and daughters of God. That's true in one sense. But there is a sense in which Jesus is different. Mono Genes is two words. Mono, you know that. It means one or only. Genes is where we get the word genetics. In other words, only one person has ever walked the earth with God's DNA. With God's genetic makeup. Only one person has also contained the divine essence. John loves this word. He used it in chapter 1 when he said, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we've seen His glory. It's the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. A few verses later, John says, No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is Himself God, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made Him known. God was so willing to do whatever it takes to make Himself known. So He became like us. So that we could know that He loves us. One of the neatest uh, illustrations of this principle I came across recently at a church where a friend of mine is the pastor. And in that church is an eight-year-old boy named Gabriel that had a brain tumor. So Gabriel had to have a surgery that left a very ugly scar on the side of his head. And Gabriel told his father, I feel like a monster. So his father, John, had his head shaved, and he had a tattoo put on the side of his head, just like the scar in his son. And he said to his son, now, if anybody stares at you, they're going to stare at me too. The father saying, I will become like the son, so the son will not have to wonder if he's loved. That's what happened at Bethlehem. God willing to do whatever it takes. Only divine wisdom could have birthed such an answer. But only divine love would allow such an answer to be birthed. In fact, the only object that communicates that God loves us more than the manger was also made of wood. John uses that word one more time. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love. It's not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, why did he come? This is important because a lot of people want to embrace the coming of Jesus, but ignore why He came. He didn't just do whatever it took. His love was willing to go wherever it took Him. That's what John 3.16 is saying. You see, John 3.16 has a context. And to explain that, I'm going to tell you a story some of you maybe have never heard. Uh, The Old Testament is full of some wonderful and strange stories. And one of them is in the book of Numbers. 
The children of Israel have left Egypt. They're on the way to the promised land. And as they often did, they started complaining. So God allowed some venomous snakes that lived in that area to bite the people. So they say to Moses, do something, save us. And here's what God told Moses. Make a brass pole and put an image of a snake on top of that pole. And if the people will look at that pole, they won't die. That's the answer. I would say, kill the snakes. Just kill the snakes. But you see, God is always doing this. God is always asking us to put our wisdom and our judgment and our effort aside and trust His plan, even when it doesn't make sense to us. He asked a 99-year-old man to get an 89-year-old woman pregnant. He asked an army to march around a city and blow a horn and a wall will fall down. See, God is saying, you can't save yourself. You're not smart enough. You can't do enough. You're going to have to trust my plan. Now, Jesus in John 3 is speaking to a man named Nicodemus. He was a Jewish ruler. He knew all those stories. Here are the two verses right in front of John 3.16. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must... Be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in Him. Again, if you're going to celebrate the coming of Jesus, you have to appreciate why He came. And Jesus said, I must come. I must be lifted up. Because the penalty for your sins must be paid. See, God is life. He is the author and the origin of all life. And when you disconnect from God, you disconnect from life. And the consequence is death. The wages of sin is death. Sin produces death. And we're all sinners. So how can we ever connect back to God? We must die. Or a sinless substitute. Must die for us. That's why he came. Hebrews chapter 10 says. It's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Okay. For centuries they were offering these animals. But it was just pointing to something. The death of a goat for the sin of a man is not justice. Therefore. You want to know what Jesus said right before he was born? When Christ came into the world. He said. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire but a body you prepared for me. You see, there's nothing about the death of Jesus that was accidental. It was not a plan B. Love took him to a crib knowing it would take him to a cross. It took him to the place where he could take our place. I remember several years ago reading a poignant story about a father and a son. The father was Admiral Elmo Zumwalt, Jr. He was the commander of U.S. forces in Vietnam in 1968. And the problem was that the jungle was so thick that the Viet Cong would come right up to the banks of the river and ambush the American riverboats patrolling. 
So Admiral Zumwalt made the decision to spray the jungle with a defoliant called Agent Orange to kill the foliage so that the Viet Cong could not hide by the banks and attack the riverboats. One of those riverboats was captained by Elmo Zumwalt III, his own son, who died at the age of 42 from lymphoma cancer that both the father and the son believe was caused by his exposure to Agent Orange. But the son did not die bitter. The son said, my father was trying to save lives and did not know it would cost the life of his son. But God did. He sent his one and only son and he knew where love must take him. The God of Christmas loves you to death. He's willing to go to hell and back so that you can go to heaven and stay. And so the verse right after John 3.16 says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Condemnation is a possibility. To spend your life and to face eternity with your back turned to God is death. But it doesn't have to be a reality. Because this love that would do whatever it takes and go wherever it takes Him is a love that came to offer the gift of forever life. John 3.16 says, Eternal life is a reality we can experience. Whoever believes in Him will not perish But they will have eternal life. And listen, eternal life is not a place. Eternal life is a person. Uh, Listen to Jesus Himself explain that. He's praying in John 17. Now this is eternal life. That they know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. See, God is the originator. He is the author of life. To be alive, you must be connected to God. And when you are connected to God, you begin a kind of life that you can't lose. Because God is eternal. And so God is offering this life through Jesus, sealed by the Spirit, a quality of life. It cannot be intimidated. It can't be conquered. It can't be dismissed. It can't be frustrated. It can't be finished, not even by death. He's not saying that it's something that's going to happen in the future. He's saying that God's offering you a kind of life right now that nothing in the future can stop. Not even death. That God wants to live an intimate relationship with you, His life flowing through you, His communication with you, His revelation to you, His guidance in you, the assurance of His love over you. This is the kind of life God wants you to have. Would somebody get excited about John 3.16? Well, are making me work too hard. You see, John 3.16 reminds us that we're not irrelevant accidents. Destined for nothingness. The reason John 3.16 matters is because it says we do. We matter to God. 
It reminds me of the uh, Indian out in the desert sending up smoke signals to his girlfriend many miles away to say he loves her. And then off in the distance at a missile range, they were testing an atomic bomb. And as the mushroom cloud goes into the air, he looks and says, wow, I wish I'd said that in just a few words. One verse says, best, what we need to hear most, but the best word in the best verse is whoever. Oh, I love the word whoever. It's such a wonderful word. My wife and my daughter share a skill. They make awesome brownies. I don't have a strong sense of smell, but I can come in the house and I can smell the brownies all the way in the kitchen if they've made a pan. And I'll go in there to get a brownie and I'll hear my daughter say, don't touch those, Dad, they're for D-group. Or I hear my wife say, you can't have a brownie, they're for the shower. But sometimes I'll smell the brownies, I'll walk in the house, I'll say, who are the brownies for? And I will hear, whoever... Oh, I love that word. (laughs) Because we don't live in a whoever world. Life apart from God doesn't operate on the whoever principle. Let me illustrate. All of us my age remember being in elementary school science class. And at some point we had the assignment. We had to make a model of the solar system with all the planets Looking something like this from Mercury all the way to Pluto. But if your kids get that same assignment today, their model is going to look something like this with Mercury all the way to Neptune. You say, hey, what happened to Pluto? Well, here's what happened. A few years ago, some scientists in Prague determined that Pluto doesn't really deserve to be called a planet. And so they have deplaneted Pluto and downgraded it to asteroid number 134340. Poor little Pluto's just minding his own business, going around the sun like he's always done. He shows up one day at Planet Club and they say, you can't come anymore. <laughs> You're not a member. Have you ever been Plutoed? You thought you were in. You thought you were a part. You wanted to be included. But you see, life doesn't operate by the whoever principle. Life operates by the principle of appearance and performance. Are you the prettiest? Did you win the most? Did you score the most? Did you sell the most? Do you own the most? Do you have the most likes? Are you on anybody's cover? And in a world like that, most of us are going to wind up unappreciated, unnoticed, uninvited, and unwanted. And John 3.16 says that's not how God sees the world. Christmas says that the one and only came. With a message that could be summed up in one word. Whoever. Jesus loved that word. 
Just two chapters later, he was talking to a woman at a well that had been kicked out of the club. And here's what he told her. Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Later, he's talking to a big crowd of people that have lived on the margins all their lives. And this is what he said. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Maybe best of all, he's at a funeral. And he says to a grieving sister, whoever lives by believing in me will never die. God does whoever. His love is not just for certain parts of the world. And so, in a certain part of the world, the one and only was born. He was willing to do whatever it took and go wherever it took him to offer forever life to whoever would believe. Oh, my friend, God has a word for you today. But to hear it, you're going to have to stop listening to another word. However, everybody in this room has been plutoed by the word. However, oh, we know you'd like to uh, go to our school. However, your grades aren't good enough. We know you want to be in our club or be on our team. However, you didn't make the cut. We know you need this job. However, you don't have enough experience. We know you love our daughter. However, you're not our kind of people. You know who loves the word however? The devil. You may not believe in a real devil, but Jesus did. He's talked about him a lot. He said he's a liar. And he loves to start his lies with the word however. I know you've heard God loves the whole world however. You cheated on your mate and blew up your marriage. Don't think heaven's forgot about that. I know they say grace is amazing. However, didn't you get an abortion in college? I know that church says they'll accept anybody. However, they don't know you've been in jail. They don't know that you've got an addiction problem. Yeah, they just say, come to Jesus, however. Jesus doesn't want you. Not after what you've done. You've got to choose a word. Christmas says that God 
accepts you whenever you're willing, wherever you are, whatever you've done. Christmas says, whoever trumps, however. So let me close with a story from the world of sports. Only one NFL team has ever gone to the Super Bowl four years in a row. The Buffalo Bills. Sadly, they lost all four times. Actually, it's not too sad because the Cowboys beat them two of those times. (laughs) But their best chance to win was in 1990. They were playing the New York Giants. Last play of the game. They're down by one point. They send out their field goal kicker, Scott Norwood, who was a great kicker. The kick was well within his range. The snap was perfect. The hold was just right. He got good leg into the ball. However, he missed. He missed. The weight of a team, the weight of a city fell on his shoulders. And yet, to their surprise, when they returned to Buffalo, 30,000 fans were waiting for them. The last thing Scott Norwood wanted to do was face anybody. And so he stood back behind the team so that no one could see him. And that's when it started. 30,000 people began to chant, We want Scott We want Scott. Unexpected. Unprepared. They put a mic in his hand. And he said, I know that I have never felt more loved than I do right now. When people know your however... And they still want you. You're loved. That's the story of Christmas. And so today you need to claim your citizenship in Whoville. John 3.16 is the best verse ever. And you need to write your name in it. Whoever. You are. Would you bow your head, please? Oh, God. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your wisdom. But especially today, we thank you for your love. A love that could send the one and only knowing where that love would take him. A love... That was big enough and deep enough and wide enough and long enough for whoever. Oh God, my prayer today is that someone will receive the greatest Christmas gift they've ever received. That today, whatever they've done, wherever they've been, however they messed up, they will receive your love. Thank you for loving the whole world 
thank you for thinking the world of whoever. In Jesus' name, amen.